Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hola. Hang on, hang on. Hola. <laughs> Christ. Bonjour. Ni hao. Let's start this again. No, no, keep going, keep going. We're on a roll. Moi. Bula. Okay, let's start again and not be so aggressive. Welcome to the Normal Not Normal podcast with me, Oliver Phelps, and me, James Phelps. Guys, thank you very much for joining us this week. Yes, thank you so much. Now, guys, in this series, we're talking to some of our favourite people about what normal means to them and to ask, well, does normal even exist? Yeah, and today we're really excited to chat with our guest, who is a sports broadcaster, Kelly Cates. Now, Kelly had an early taste of fame because her father is footballing royalty. Former player, former manager, Sir Kenny Dalgleish, Kelly inherited a love of football and went on to become one of the UK's best-loved sports broadcasters. She's informed, inspired and entertained football fans all over the world with a presenter for Sky Sports, Radio 5 Live, ITV, ESPN, Channel 5, Talk Sport, you name it, she's been on it. In fact, she was the first female host on Talk Sport at the time when the industry was extremely male-dominated. So Kelly has been at the centre of some of the most hard-hitting interviews in sports and was also involved in a documentary about the Hillsborough disaster. So for those of you who may be unfamiliar with the Hillsborough disaster, it was a absolutely terrible event that happened in England in 1989 at the semi-final of the FA Cup at the Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield, uh, which basically had the crushing of 96 Liverpool supporters. And Kelly's documentary really brings all that home in such an amazing, amazing way and definitely worth a listen. But we'll talk about more of that in the show. But Kelly, I need to give you a heads up, joins us from her kitchen table where she's been doing her broadcast due to the whole pandemic and everything going on like there. So you may hear her daughter daughters in the background but you know as this is all about normal life what better way to do it and they listen to the podcast so we'll let them off in fact we'll actively encourage them but can i can i start first of all i've got a rant to do this week what i know i like to give the impression that i'm a very chilled out i'm the chilled out one of the group right here we go here we go i'm just gonna sit back and watch you unwind you've got your drum so i'm gonna get my guitar Let's find an angry. How do you start a rant? I'm I'm not used to doing them for. Why is it? Why is it? So today I try to get tickets for the Rugby World Cup, which is happening in France in 2023. You had to, first of all you had to pre-join the club to get into the pre-sale. After that, I get on. They said tickets are gonna go on sale on 11 a.m. English time. I get on. No luck, not working. Come back again, it says on the website. Try again in an hour. Eventually you get in the queue, nothing's happening. It just keeps going into a buffing zone. You're in a queue, you're in a queue. Four hours later, I'm eventually allowed into the room to get tickets. Once I get in there, all the good tickets have gone. You have to then pay silly amounts for silly money, but a few of my friends are like, okay, let's do it. It's the World Cup, we want to go. I then have to put in my the tickets into the basket six times because it kept coming up empty 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 when i eventually get to check out it says sorry all tickets are now sold out done anyway i hope everyone that got tickets are very happy i'd be i'd be i'd be livid about this i'd be lying in bed well i know right? you would because when you, you get angry tonight, i'd you be get sitting angry there thinking you've just been at the end of the day you've been mugged off haven't you you've been totally mugged off because there's some no. sites who are just going to pre-sell them for a lot more money and, you know, well, I hope they don't. It's, it's, you see, I don't dwell on things. It's happened now. That's it. 
Let's you move sure? on. Because you're, you're still sounding quite angry about it. No, I'm really not because it's you who seems to, you you hold on to a grudge and and kind of go like that. But it's you know it's happened. There's nothing I could do about it. So tomorrow's another day. You can't change what's happened today, can you? Moving away from things here. But so, like Oliver was saying, today we're speaking to Kelly Cates, who's, again, we've seen her on, on the TV for, for many years and listened to her on the radio for many years. I'm sure if you watched, if ever seen a Premier League show nine times out of ten, she's done a presenting of at least one of the shows you have watched around the world. So everybody, without further ado, let's all welcome Kelly Cates. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you very much for coming. I know that we were uh, hopefully trying to get you on at some point, so thank you very much. We're very excited. Yeah, well, so am I. I'm looking forward to it. I've listened to quite a few of it, and the old one, the Double Trouble one. I'm across it. I know I'm comfortable. This is good. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. good. So, yeah, so like basic, basic intro to this, how we came about it is we were always asked, what's it like, you know, growing up with a twin and stuff like that? What's your normal? So we were basically trying to work out, you know, what is normal and how does it go? Someone say to you, what's it like growing up with a dad like yourselves? Is the answer the same as ours? Like, well, that's our normality. That's that's what we know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's because there's nothing to compare it to. And I think normal is something that you think other people are. But even then, I think even by those standards, I think it was a relatively normal upbringing because I didn't spend my time at celebrity parties. This isn't, this isn't like David mm. Beckham being a footballer. This is a very <laughs> different era. And so we'd go to the games and things, but it wasn't... Um, it wasn't particularly glamorous, you know. You'd be in a little office at the end of the of the corridor, and the the sort of the players' lounge was all sort of shades of beige. And I just remember it had that kind of slightly stale pub smell to it. And so it was. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't glamorous in the way that football is now. And then at home, well, home was home. It was. It was just you know you close the door, and it was about doing your homework and getting to school on time and that kind of thing. Rightly so. <laughs> I've got to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I say that's the, that's the kind of parent I've turned into now as well. I've sort of I have to do as I say, not as I did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, as as a child, were you aware of like how big your dad was in the game of football? Yeah, not so much. Only because my um, so my school friends were the same all the way through. I sort of changed school at at nine, but I still had the same sort of friends. And then all the way through, it was the same group of people. So they were bored of it you know it wasn't it wasn't interesting to them and um, what my dad did but I remember being probably about nine or ten actually and I went to a Rod Stewart concert with my mum and dad in Glasgow <laughs> at Ibrox <laughs> and um, because because I was a really cool nine-year-old um, and we went to see Rod Stewart and people were sort of shouting at him from the crowd we walked around the inside of the pitch to get to our seats and then suddenly I went oh other people are interested this is this is really strange because mm. I spent a lot of time around the club. So it's a bit like my dad plays football. Yeah, well, so does mine. What's your point? Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> on, on the subject of being normal, my supermarket delivery's just arrived. It's a bit... <laughs> Do you need to get him on? Get him on the show. Get him on the show, yeah. I think there's wine in it, so the kids can't get it. Hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to put your frozen away? <laughs> there was no, there's nothing frozen. Okay. I just said that to him. I went, are there any frozen bags? I'm like, he's like, no, 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 you're fine. He's the nicest man <laughs> in the world. He's like, you take care, stay safe. I'll see you next time. I was like, oh, I've made a friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the way it is. Like, we, um, we actually got a, a chat delivered our, our groceries last uh, the week before last, sorry. And he was saying, lots of lovely greens and vegetables. Like, it's really healthy, isn't it, this? You know, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, try enough. <laughs> this week, a takeaway curry arrived at this exact same moment that he's given us these foods. And I think it's just totally shattered any illusion of what's, uh, yeah, what a fraudulent yeah. thing what we're living. All, it's all, but the thing is, I, I mean, now I feel like I'm going to be judged because I think I've got so much rubbish in there. <laughs> so to, it, obviously that, that brought perks to the um, to it, like I've seen, going to see Rod Stewart in taking in all that kind of stuff that was the big one that was a big one <laughs> so did, but did you ever get a time where you resented football like as a kid like oh, i don't want to go to the game today i don't want to do anything like that i think there was there was a point where i don't know 10 or 11 something like that i stopped going for a couple of years um and then as i said as though i was kind of doing them a big favor i said to my mum that i'd really like to go to the first game of the season 
so you know this is this is an event and I will be there for this <laughs> um, and I went and I thought what the hell am I doing why am I not there every week every other week I love it so yeah that's when I, I started going back yeah okay. and did you did you feel like you wanted to play football growing up that that was always something that you were like you wanted to do, obviously the women's game I suppose in the last what five years it's gone on to a t- totally different level hasn't it um, but even then though did you still want to play at some at some degree no, it wasn't really something that was open to me. I, I never felt. I think um, it wasn't something that people did in the in the in the way that my brother would go. And the first thing they'd do when they went into school was start kicking a ball around in the playground, and that would be everything that they did. Every break, every both of you are nodding like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah that's about but it. Yeah. But but that that just wasn't the same um, for the girls in in my year. And I think you're right. It has changed. But I think even even now, like I've got daughters, and they're not as bothered as I thought they might be you know it's still it's they sort of have an interest and they quite like kicking a ball around and they like it when it's you know football lessons in PE but they're not they don't love it in the same way I loved it but I was always like the the trier I was never I was never gonna make it (laughs) then again I'm a Birmingham City fan so that's probably why um (laughs) <laughs> I said when you said that you didn't want to go I remember my the reason I didn't want to go again is when I saw Birmingham lose at home 2-0 to Kidderminster Harriers I can see that I, I can see that that would traumatise you that's a... but the highlight was the, a dog running on the pitch and that's why is that always the thing you remember as a kid it is uh, and also that's <laughs> even now it's like if something like that happens it's, it's like the best thing ever or if I don't know some obscure game in some country miles away, and and there's a squirrel on the pitch or something. It goes viral. Everybody wants to see it. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> and often you get one of the players. Often it's like the goalie or something will go over and sort of nurture this little animal and just kind of shoo them off the pitch very gently. <laughs> so, you, I mean, you've you've got an incredible career of your own, um, presenting and all over the world in doing so. So, did you always want to work in sport? But because I, I know you were at university when you went into media, can you tell us all about that and what you were doing leading up to it? Yeah, I was doing a maths degree, and funnily enough, I didn't really have a strong impulse to carry on when I got offered a job working in football telly, <laughs> um, and I just I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I had no idea where it was going to lead to or what was going to happen. And then Sky Sports News set up, and they um, they just basically took a load of kids in from straight from university and said go and practice making telly we'll put a couple of grown-ups in there to make sure you don't completely mess it up but go and go and play go and have fun and um it was just it was great it was such a brilliant brilliant time because we were all at the same stage of our lives we were all in our early 20s um a lot of us had moved down to London for the first time and so we we worked together but it was our whole social life as well that they were our they were our friends as well as our you know, our colleagues. So it was really, it was a really, really good fun time. And there was no pressure because when we first went on air, nobody could watch us. It was the launch of Sky Digital Platform. So mm. um, it hadn't even, I think, officially been launched when the channel launched. So you could only watch it in the building. <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> they launched the, the new sort of little dishes. And I used to get so excited going down the road and you'd see the little dishes. And I'm like, they can get the channel. They can get the channel. And it was yeah. like, it was really exciting. <laughs> Um, whether they watched it or not was a different thing, but they could get it. Because <laughs> it went on to be the biggest, biggest channel ever, wasn't it? The most watched yeah. channel on Sky, wasn't it? Yeah, at times. Certainly on things like Transfer Deadline Day. When you went into it then, Kelly, was it a case of, as you, as you say, like there's a load of guys who are like, you're roughly the same age and going into it. Did you practice together outside? Like, you know, how you would do an interview with people or how you would adapt on the fly because it's all live tv isn't it we did um we had a week (laughs) we had a week of training (laughs) before we went on air with a really lovely man actually and he was um his whole sort of approach was was very psychological so it was lots of the interviewing techniques that he taught us were about how to draw the best out of people and how to kind of get people to open up when maybe they didn't want to and how to kind of and and also really given how young and inexperienced we all were especially the you know for the for those of us going in front of camera it was just about relaxing and and be but you must have had this for a lot of the first sort of big I mean we were older we were you know in our early 20s but there's still that thing of everything being brand new and actually the most important thing is just calm everybody down yeah I think it's probably we were probably okay because it was we knew it was pre-recorded 
we know yeah. that there's but not. Do we, well, yeah, you say that, but then I remember the first time we did live TV. That was that was awful because they <laughs> we, we hadn't they hadn't, they hadn't given us any prep for like we literally our first live TV TV we did was SMTV Live. Yeah, I'm there in a Danger Mouse oh T-shirt. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest show for kids TV, and I can remember right. We had to get there at something silly like five in the morning or something like that. And I remember just being a nervous wreck the entire time, thinking, yeah. "Don't sw- I don't swear anyway, really?" But I was thinking, "Just don't, yeah. don't swear, don't yeah. like anything like that, kid, because it will all go wrong." And once you get that in your head, you think that's it. Every second word's going to be a swear word. Now that's what's going to happen. And SNTV was brilliant, but it was so chaotic, and just have all that going on around you, and thinking, "Oh my God, what's going to happen next?" Yeah, and you're not playing a character as well. You're, you're yeah. you, as it were. So there's not, there's not that to, to fall behind. But in terms of like yourself, though, in as I say, is there a, do you develop a, an on-screen persona or do you try and keep it as neutral as, or as, as you as possible? It has to be close to you because you are on as yourself, but there is definitely, and I think you have to have that a little bit because, you know, there's times when you go in and you're tired and you're fed oh. up or something's happening in your life and you think, oh God, the last thing I want to do is go in and pretend to be happy about something or pretend. So there is, there is an element of, of that kind of, um, of, of having a, a persona. But also, a lot of the time, I sometimes forget I'm working. And if we've got a really long day and we've been chatting while the match is on and then we come back and do analysis afterwards and you go, oh, because you said it was, uh, you said you thought that was a penalty. And they go, yeah. And, you, and then you start chatting to people like you're off air. Suddenly there might be a pause and I think, oh, Christ, I think I was meant to come in then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as a, as a presenter, obviously, and, and close to the game, I guess you get quite privy to inside gossip and things going on at the clubs so when when you see something happening at, at a club and then obviously when you're doing the radio you've got fans ringing in saying giving their two cents on it and they know nothing about the situation but you do how hard is it not to say look this like say if a player's going through a hard time or whatever and you you can't say that you need to stay neutral but how how difficult is it not to kind of you know say you know give this guy some slack yeah i mean there's a couple of things there. One is that football is such a gossipy industry that everybody has something to say about everything. And it's, well, you know, I don't think he's happy because of X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, I think there's off-field issues there. Or I think, And everybody, everybody's got a theory. Yeah. And all these rumours get washed around and around. You get to the stage where you think, I think I know what's going on there, or I've heard what's going on there. But you never really know how, how truthfully that they're being told or how truthful they are. Um, so you have to take everything with a pinch of salt, even though it's quite good fun when somebody tells you something really scurrilous and you go, really? And it's like, it's <laughs> great. But, but yeah. you also know it's probably not true or at least hugely exaggerated. Um, so there's a bit of that. There's also um, a slightly sort of different angle on that, which is that with dad having played and, and managed um, and usually um, I would be alongside someone who's, who's played. There's an insight into how it affects people. And I think sometimes the biggest thing, or the hardest thing that I used to find was when fans would ring up and just talk about players like they were meat and commodities and, you know, yeah. just as though they should be able to just churn everything out, you know, without having anything affect them. I think this year that's been huge and, um, you know, playing without fans, but also with everything that's going on. And we all feel rubbish this year, we all feel at times a bit anxious and a bit down and concerned about what's going on. You can't expect that the players don't have that at times, that they're not just a bit, and at times just a bit fed up with everything because it has just been a bit miserable. You know, they've got family abroad that they can't go and see, or they have, you know, personal circumstances that they that mean they can't go and, and help out members of their family or their friends. And it, it affects anybody. There's a couple, you know, the young players who've come in at Chelsea have moved in the middle of a pandemic. I think one of them's come with his girlfriend and one of them's single, I think. Um, but they've come in, they've moved to a new city. They can't go and socialise with their teammates. All they have is training. And they go in and see them at training and then that's it. They go home and just sit in all the time on their own. It must be so hard. Yeah, I mean, there's only yeah. so much Call of Duty you can play, really, isn't there? When you <laughs> when you're in when you're in that in that scenario, but yeah. it's I mean, must, they're okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, because I remember it's funny enough you're saying about like seeing issues and everything backstage, but it's also the do you find that being from a footballing family, shall we say, that people almost see you as safe to talk to off camera? 
as in they could say, oh, no, he's, he hasn't been trying in training or something like that, whereas sometimes it could be standoffish. Sometimes, yeah. I think there is a, there's a sort of trust element there where it's pe- people will talk as though, well, you'll know, you'll know what this is like, or at least secondhand you might know what, what this yeah. is like. But then there's also people who are really suspicious. I've, you know, I've yeah. been in a studio where one of the studio guests has talked to the other one who would be somebody I'd know reasonably well behind their hand, sort of talking like this, as though, you know... Really? And, it, and I'm sitting thinking, I don't think there's anything you're saying that's that secret. <laughs> I think... Yeah. to the sound guy and say, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it happens, but it's... Um, it, but not always, not always. No, no, but I, cause I always find that it's... Do you find that as well, that when you're... Obviously, being in the public eye and being a, a presenter and an interviewer and stuff like that on all all platforms, really. Do you find that you get people who see you, like, say, delivery man, who just dropped off the uh, the shopping, that type of person? Would they say, oh, you, you want to ask them this or such and such didn't? Do you know what I mean? Like, put, almost tell you what to not, do or do they not? Is that not a thing? Not very much. Um, my postman... Um, is lovely he's a big QPR fan and we always have like if we catch up we always have we always have chats about different things but um generally speaking I think it's and and I know you're saying sort of in the public eye and technically that's true but I think you're so far down the pecking order of what people actually tune in for when you work in live sport also I live in West London and it's a bit of a media hotspot and there's much better people (laughs) to get a chat to We'll go on to the amazing documentaries that you've done as well. But when you're making sure that three ex-professionals are given their opinion, I guess you yourself can't go off an auto cue because they're not going off it. So you need to stay no. on online with that conversation. No, often maybe, um, especially for a live game, that the top of the show will be scripted. There'll be like a minute or two of scripted stuff at the top just so that you're on air and it's neat, it's tidy, it fits the pictures and it all looks quite seamless. Um, and but then once you start chatting, you're right. You can't do that because if you put if you put scripted stuff into the middle of a conversation, you can hear the change of gear, and it just feels uncomfortable. And I think the worst thing for someone who's on on screen is for people watching to feel uncomfortable watching them. You you want to be relaxed and that they have a degree of control over things, or at least if things go wrong, that they're not bothered or flustered by it yeah I suppose as well that sometimes say if you've got a someone else like doing the punditry who's probably isn't too comfortable in in that environment so they could so you know you could go to his analysis and it's almost like yeah he was good and then, <laughs> then you got like a minute and a half of dead air to fill <laughs> that to be to be honest that happens that happens rarely but it, it has happened where somebody sort of chats off air and they say oh my god what a goal that was and they break it down move by move and you know the kind of why the technique's amazing and this and you think oh that's great and you go to them and you say talk me through that first goal and they go yeah it's just a really well taken goal yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I guess it's definitely helped you that um, media training to a degree has come in for a lot of players now because I remember they like say when Sky Sports News first started up if they went to a player it would nine times out of BB uh, yeah it was good and that would be it yeah. <laughs> like, it's, and you know it's it's interesting because there was a there, there definitely was a time where players relied on the, the press officer at the club just to tell to teach them how not to say things how to give as little away as possible but now you have a lot of players who want to go on and have a career in the media, but they also want to develop their brands and to have an identity and to have, you know, to be able, basically to be able to sell stuff off the back of their name. Um, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's basically what it comes down to. Um, and so they want to have a presence. They want to be articulate in, in the media. They want to have a voice. And not everybody, not everybody does that naturally. And there's no reason why they should. You know, I'm... You know, I, I do the media stuff. I can't kick a ball. So there's no reason why you should have both skills. But if you want to develop that side of it, then you, you have to acquire at least a version of them. Yeah, and I think when you watch, like, say, take take American sports, for example, like there's there's a lot of guys who they interview, be it in the NFL, be it basketball or something like that, who do articulate better, I think, than watching, say, say football players because they're be it they've gone to college, I don't, I don't know. But there's there's something there, which, or they've been media trained more and more, I don't know, but they just seem to be a bit more 
I suppose not necessarily just saying, as you say, telling, being told what to say. Just say, yeah, we worked hard. We'll go again next week. You know, the same cliche. I think it's bigger than that, though. I think if you watch any American news channel and they go and interview somebody after some extraordinary situation, they sound like reporters. That you just grab somebody off the street and say, what happened? Well, and then you get this amazing, (laughs) detailed, fluent kind of answer. Whereas you come over here and go... Yeah, there were, uh, I just heard a noise, and um, yeah. and then I looked yeah. over. I I didn't really see very much, but I mean something's clearly gone on, <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's just I think culturally in, in the states it is just a much more media friendly society, and they're just much more literate in in that way. You present stuff which goes out in America and all over the world. Do you have to change the way anything's presented for that? audience or different audiences no it, it doesn't it doesn't really change that much what i have noticed though with with doing the the stuff that goes out around the world is how much more of the feedback is is positive whereas um mm, you mm. do it in the uk and the feedback is usually moaning about somebody they don't like yeah. what somebody said they don't like how they said it they don't like somebody's trainers they don't like whatever it is it, whatever it is they just don't like it um yeah and, and there seems to be an awful lot of that whereas around the world it's just people who are just genuinely enthusiastic. Yeah, I think it's definitely a trait, I think, which unfortunately, I think a lot of people from, it's amazing. I remember saying this exact same thing to somebody in America and said, no, but over here, guys are so much more enthusiastic and get, getting behind you type thing. Whereas I find it in England, it's almost a bit more, yeah, you're more, especially on social media, you're a lot likely to hear a bad comment than you are. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a real element over here of, well, it might be all right, but don't get up yourself, you know, just... Yeah, just steady and kind. Yeah. Which I actually, I don't mind that. I think that's quite no. a nice. That's quite a nice thing. But yeah. you must, you must have seen that, like traveling, and and seeing oh, the different reactions in different countries. I remember once we went to a premiere in Helsinki, and they told us now just before we went out because we'd just come from, I think we we're in the Far East or somewhere like that, and they said, you know, and they they'd obviously heard that the response is really big and you know really over the top they were really enjoying it and they says just be aware that it may be toned down a bit here so we're like okay okay fine and like we we, we got there and it was we they had a, a stage set up where we spoke to the crowd and it was the complete opposite they were just going absolutely mad for it and it was yeah so we we kind of i think we kind of saw because the main target audience when we were doing potter especially was that age group who are very more you're more likely to be a lot more enthusiastic you're more likely to say to show pleasure at something like that. So I suppose we were kind of blinkered from it. So in terms of like going to going to new environments, I suppose that would be one way of putting it. So say being the first female um, host on Talk Sport Radio, did it seem like a big deal to you being the first woman or was it just getting on the radio? Yeah, I can't remember if I knew that I was the first woman to do it. I wasn't thinking, I'm, I'm, this is it now. I'm coming in as the, as the first woman to do this. It just wasn't yeah. something that I... It, it didn't occur to me. Mm, mm. So I think it's just, I think luckily it's a thing what's changing a lot more. And I think James and I were kind of, I don't know, because like when we were growing up, like our mum was, I sounded real brummy then, didn't I? Our mum. She, oh um, she, was, she was like a really, really hardworking woman and never, and she, like her, her, her position, what she, she got to in work was a very senior one. And it's only really years afterwards that I, she told me like of stuff she came up against, you know, of people like she, there was this one, uh, this one guy who worked under her, who it came to her attention and had been sending emails, not very nice about her type of thing. And uh, she called this, this person into her, into her office and said, can you just read this email to me, please? And, uh, you know, stuff like and that. But that's, that's how she dealt with people, you know, it was very that's much amazing. a case of, yeah. And having that example from my mum is very much a case of there is always an opportunity there to go and get it type of thing. Is that is that a fair representation? Yeah, yeah and there's yeah, definitely I think there's there's a there's a couple of things. One is that growing up in a football world, I never had that sense of not belonging that I think a lot of women talk about, that sense of trying to fight to get on the inside because I'd grown up in it. And whether whether people treated me or thought of me as being on the inside, it never it 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 just didn't occur to me that I wasn't. That was an obstacle I didn't have to get over. And then once I was there, I think I had a sort of naivety about things where I just didn't, I just didn't see it. I'm, I'm fairly sure there were instances, but I, I just didn't see them because I was a little bit kind of oblivious to the whole thing. I just kind of 
got my head down and, and did my job. And then I think some of the experience that other women have talked about, I find genuinely shocking that, you know, because I know that I know now that my experience wasn't typical and lots of women find it very difficult. But I think with me, it was, there was a, um, there was that, that sense of it being a world I was really comfortable in, but also just not noticing stuff. And I think that really helped me. I think if I'd paid attention, it maybe would have knocked me a lot more. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's still, it's still shocking that here we are and it's, it's still a thing. Like it is, it is, it is absolutely ludicrous. Um, but I mean, we've got, we've got fortunately lots of um, female listeners who, who get in touch. So hopefully they're, they're listening to this thinking and maybe they've, maybe they've come across people who have been like, ah, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a woman. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, right, so you do, yeah. you do, do you? Yeah, and I think, but I think you'll, I think you'll get that. And I think, you know, um, lots of people want to know, you know, how, how do you deal with online abuse or how do you deal with sexism? Or, and I think, I think because of what we were talking about earlier with, with the way things are in, in terms of how people talk about people who are on the television you will get abuse and it in if you are male or female you will you will get abuse but if you're female there will be an extra layer to it which is there will be sexist abuse in there um and really there's there's not an awful lot you can do about it because it will always it will always affect you but it shouldn't affect what you do you can you can only control what you do and how you do your job there's nothing you can do about it. But I think trying to pretend it doesn't bother you is, is a waste of time. That's just exhausting. It's just, it's not, it's not a good use of your energy. But it, it's normal to feel affected by it. But as long as you put all your energy into not letting it affect what you do and how you do your job and how you perceive yourself, then I think that's the, that's the only way, really, that you can, you can deal with it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's that time again where we interrupt the show to share some of the questions and voice notes and the did you knows that you've been sending us in this week. This first one is from Anna in England and she says, Hi James and Oliver, I have a Disney did you know fact. So did you know that the character Sully from the Pixar film Monsters Inc. has more than 2.3 million individual hairs, each one carefully animated. One single frame of him took an average of 12 hours to produce. Yeah, do you think do you think they gave that job like the Sully animation to um, like the new guy at Pixar? Like came in, here you go, you can do Sully today. Which one are you doing? I'm doing. Is it Randall the lizard? He's got no hairs. I think, yeah, but you, you can take. I think that's the thing with the Pixar movies that you can see how much attention to detail goes in because it. You can look back now, and that movie is what twenty years old now at least, but it still looks amazing. That's still brilliant. I actually went around. Did you know? I actually went around the uh, the Pixar studios on a tour when they were making Coco. It was absolutely unbelievable. So so good. So a big shout out to anyone over at Pixar who's listening to this while I'm an animating furiously away on the next blockbuster. You're trying to get a part there, aren't you? Are you telling me you wouldn't? Are you telling me you wouldn't? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I definitely. I'd be one of Sully's hairs. Anyway. The next one is a voice note from Reem in Egypt. Hello, James and Oliver. Uh, my name is Reem. I'm from Egypt. Uh, I always uh, listen to your podcasts and I really like them. And I had a few did you, uh, did you know facts that I really wanted to share with you. Uh, the first one is that did you know that a mosquito has 47 teeth? 
that are located at the end of its long thing like nose there and they are used to cut through the skin or layers of protective cloth to suck your blood thank you for listening to me and thank you if you shared this uh, goodbye <laughs> first of all salam alaikum reem that was absolutely mad mosquitoes i i knew they were buggers but i'm not surprised with that many teeth biting you Thank you so much for that one. Now, the next one we've got is from Peter in Bristol. And Peter says, Woodpeckers are known for pecking at tree trunks to forage for food and communicate with other birds. But did you know that to stop their brains rattling around inside their skulls while they're pecking, woodpeckers loop their extra long tongues inside their head and wrap it around their brains to keep them still? You know, when you sometimes get a friend who's like, yeah, but I can, my tongue can touch my, uh, my nose. Can you, imagine, can you imagine having a woodpecker around your house when they're playing that game? Hold my beer, mate. <laughs> How did you, but you know that obviously came from evolution. How did they even evolve to that? Anyway, we've got some questions coming up and this voice note is from Seren. Hi James, hi Oliver. I was wondering if you could be in any past or present music group, what would you be in and why? Bye. That is a great question. Seren, thank you very much for saying that hint. If I could be in a music group, who would it be and why? <sighs> It would probably be Metallica when they were doing that that Killer Mall tour. I would say the band that I'd, I'd say Coldplay. I'd like, you know, they're a, they're they're a force four piece. But I'm pretty sure if there was another inch like the the electric guitar which isn't plugged in, that would be me. And that I mean they they are. If you've ever seen them live, they are amazing. Mm, tour mm. the whole world, stadium, standing room only amazing band to see live uh, i think if if you're going to be part of a group be one that is like the live show is fantastic that yes. or let's be honest the beatles would probably be the best band ever to be in yes i must say actually i would like to be in a probably past tense because currently i'm not too sure if there's too much of a demand for it but one with a traditional japanese drum bang, bang, bang. anyway next voice note is from laura from peru a doctor Hi, James and Oliver. My name is Laura. I'm from Peru. I'm a doctor, as you can see. I'm at my break right now, so I can ask you something, you know, medical related. As you are twins, I would like to know which one of you was born first and how long did it take to the other one to come out and if, um, if you were admitted at the hospital because mostly twins uh, were, are premature babies. I was a premature baby, so got admitted, like, for a week. So I just... You know, wondering if you can tell tell us something about it. Bye. For those of you who are listening, there was proof that Laura was a doctor. Well, I assume it's proof because she had a stethoscope around her her neck at the time. Could you imagine if you were in the waiting room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or being examined. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. Hold this phone while I record this. Um, but like, <laughs> Laura, big big hello all the way from here in England to over there in lovely Peru. Uh, well. I can vouch that I am the Oliver talking here. I can vouch that I am the eldest by a sterlingly long 13 minutes. And yes, we were kept in incubators for several weeks, actually. Was it nearly a month or something like that? I can't remember. I can't remember it too well. I know my mum actually sent me a photo the other day. Yeah, I saw one. And I literally looked like a little alien. Some, some may argue that I haven't changed much from that photo. But yes, Oliver is 13 minutes older, as I think many can tell that. Um, but Laura, thank you very much for sending that message in. And thank you for all the hard work that you and every doctor around the world is doing right now. And thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Yes, thank you very, very much. So we're all about listener participation. Would you say we're all about that, James? Yeah. Or inspiring people to do new it's things. Well, <laughs> Inspiring, yeah, go on. Inspiring things. See, it's an inspirational speech here. Inspiring people. Um, and we've got a lovely message here from Annabelle. So we just want to say a big, big hello to Annabelle and her mum Pip, who have started their own podcast called Yours Truly, which you can find on YouTube. And episode one is actually all about Harry Potter. And apparently we get a very special mention in it as well. Annabelle and Pip, I hope you have great success with the podcast. And everybody check it out on YouTube now. Speaking about inspiring new things, we've got a lovely voice note, which is quite inspiring to us. Now, this jingle came from Vicky, and it's actually her Did You Know jingle. But she said, 
little heads up. I made you a little song for the hashtag did you know. But a disclaimer, I'm no songwriter, I can't sing, and I'm teaching myself guitar, so I'm hoping your ears don't bleed too much. I did this for just a little bit of fun. Just a little heads up, Vicky. Um, if you ever go into sales, maybe maybe work on the uh, on the pitch a bit better. I'm even more intrigued now. Enjoyable there, Vicky. James was actually strumming along with his guitar there. I was, I was playing along with that one. Thank you very much, Vicky. I love the attention to detail, especially as you told exactly what happened. Amazing facts given by myself and Oliver trying to interrupt them. But Vicky, thank you so much for that. You can play the guitar, you can sing, you can write a song. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Jolly good, jolly good. Well, anyway, thank you guys and keep those coming in. And once again, thank you for everyone who sent them in. Now, if you do want to send a jingle, a did you know, a question, be it a voice note, be it a audio, whatever way you want to send it, just send it along to the email address, the normal email address, which is normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet us. Yes, tweet us. Go on, Jase. Well, use the hashtags. Hashtag. Normal, not normal. Hashtag, did you know? And if you are under 18 and sending us a voice note or jingle, please, please, please get permission from a parent or guardian first. Guys, thank you very much for all your interactions. Really enjoyed it this week. Now, let's get back to the show. The documentary you did on Hillsborough was the best uh, documentary I've ever listened to. Like it was, it was so good because I, I remember I was driving. I still remember to stay. I was driving. I had it on the in the car, and I actively made the journey longer. So I probably endangered, like, gave more CO two out than I should have done. But <laughs> I made the journey longer so I could listen to it because it was that powerful and that in depth. And I, I recommend anybody to listen to it because it was that good. Did do you mind if I ask about that? Like, what was that like to 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 make? It was really important to me to get that right. And there was a producer, a guy called Tim Peach, who worked on it, who was fantastic. He put together the very best guests that we could possibly have talking about the subject. There was somebody who'd done lots of academic research on it. There was a journalist who'd investigated and followed the the trial it was at the the time, followed that. Then there were um, survivors and and family members of people, you know, who'd lost people. They just talked beautifully and emotionally and with real insight and it was just I just feel really privileged to have worked on it. Over the years though you've been involved in a lot of other campaigns to promote women in sport uh, football in particular such as UEFA's We Play Strong campaign could could you tell us a little bit about that and how you became involved and if you think enough's been done now to promote women in sport and especially football in the UK and around the world? Yeah, I think there's um there's a few different campaigns which is you know trying to get um women and girls in particular into into football and in and like I said with with my daughters they, they still don't quite feel when they're in the playground that it's 100%. It's not closed to them, but it's not completely open to them. It's not a, a completely level playing field to to coin a phrase. And there's also a lot of um women who give up sport once they get to the age of 14 it drops off hugely and so there's an element of wanting to keep young girls fit apart from apart from anything else and football is a, a great way to do that because we know that the um the number of women who are watching football is, is going up we know the participation of, of women at one stage it was the fastest growing sport in the country was women's football 
So I think it, it is happening and it, and it is changing. But I think football's just a, a great one for girls to get involved with because it doesn't require much. You know, you don't really need a lot of structure to go out and, and kick a ball around. You know, it's not hockey, it's not netball. You know, you don't need to have specific equipment. You can just go and create a couple of goals or even one goal and, and just kick a ball around. It's, it, it's an easy one to do. Talking about the women's game, just like there's so much less play acting and mouth enough and just almost getting on with it, which yeah. to watch as a free, in terms of like skill level as well, it's obviously a lot better, well, getting better progressively, certainly the major tournaments as well. Yeah. Um, I think they're just a joy to watch. Yeah, definitely. There is there is a lot less play acting. And I think there's been less play acting when there's no crowds in the game, uh, when there's no crowds mm-hmm. in the ground. I think in the, in the men's game, it's it, there still is. I tell you what's taken over from it is shouting. Because it's in an empty stadium and your voice carries, it's, ah, really loudly. <laughs> And then the referee, but it catches the referee's eye and they uh, catch the referee's ear and then they turn around and think, well, something must have gone on. Yeah. How weird is it as a presenter, go, like presenting at a game, like literally while, a, just before a game goes on, you're not meant to be able to hear yourself think, whereas now there's nothing. Like, is that, oh, is that really, is it, have you got used to it weird. yet or is it still? No, yeah. Most, mostly I'm in the studio, so you can't, it, it's slightly different, but I've done quite a few games now where you're in the stadium and it is weird because you, you don't realise how much you rely on the rhythm of the crowd and the noise. I used to think that my energy levels would build as you got closer to the game and that feels natural, but when it's just silent. And the weirdest thing as well is that some grounds do the big announcements. So yeah, they'll sit yes. there and they'll go, your Aston Villa team for today is yeah, number yeah. one. And you think, you think, who are you doing this for? There's like a, there's a crowd of like 20 cynical journalists sitting in a press box and that's it. And a few And stewards. they've all got the sheet anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still, I still think that they've, they've, missed a cha- they've missed a trick with the whole, obviously due to COVID rolls, they can't walk in at the same time. Oh, my blinds are showing. Um, is that what that is? To, that's what that noise is. Yeah, they'll come down at sunset and it's going down. They're more just so people. He likes can't to show see off. Either, yeah. My great granny used to put her curtains around the other way so that people. She's yeah. like, "What's the point in having nice curtains that nobody sees?" <laughs> <It's> true, <yeah. laughs> That's a really good point. Um, but no, I mean, I, th- I think they missed a, they missed a trick though in terms of like when the teams come out. Obviously, with COVID rules, they can't come out at the same time. So you could have like the opposition come out, and then when the home team come out, they could have like you know smoke shattering glass effects all that lot going on like but what would you what would you say going back to your your interviewing techniques for anyone listening as well who's getting into that type of thing what would you say are your top tips for giving like the best interviews preparation always is the is the one um and i i'm not somebody who likes to go in with a really strict idea of what what I'm going to do. But when it's when it's longer and you're trying to get something out of people, I think having loads of prep, even if you don't use it, like most of the time you are ridiculously overprepared. I like a really loose structure. So I like just topics that I might sort of cover with people rather than actual questions, unless there's some difficult topic that I want to be able to phrase the question properly, you know, to get, to get a nice answer. And then, and then listening, because people say, things that you don't expect and you want to be able to to react to it so yeah I, I mean it's not it's not difficult but it's a it's a learned skill that you practice we're still learning as you can tell no I, no I don't think so at all <laughs> I was gonna say I'm just gonna finish making those notes now yeah thanks son listening was the last one was it Kelly okay <laughs> that's just proving you were isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so Kelly what's uh as, you know, this is called normal, not normal. What's the most normal thing about you? Um, I think the most normal thing that happens in, in, an, in an abnormal situation is at the moment, um, because of COVID, um, I'm doing all my radio broadcasting from home. So I do it from my, my kitchen table. And often I'll go on air on Five Live for a live Champions League night and everything. And my kids are sitting eating pasta across the table from me, sort of <laughs> rattling their plates. <laughs> because life has to go on. I can't, I can't starve them. That's against the law. So they have to, they have to eat. <laughs> so that's kind of um, the most normal thing I do in an abnormal situation, I think. You should get your girls to play like pretend they're doing fan noises in the background. Yeah. It should be in the background, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they should do. Yeah, like you said, the smoke and broken glass and everything. 
yeah, yeah, go all over. Yeah. So, what would what would you say then is the least normal thing about you? Because I mean, to me, presenting a Champions League game while you've got pasta being eaten right next to you in the kitchen <laughs> sounds pretty abnormal. But you may you may have something different. I think probably the 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 most abnormal thing is um, the the sort of access at games, especially when we do the, the do the matches and we present them pitch side and managers and players are coming over and chatting and it's a normal part of my everyday working life. But for lots of people to be in a position where, I don't know, Jurgen Klopp comes over and says, yeah, I'll come and have a chat to you. How are you? How is everybody? And you, and you have a look. That's, that's not normal. So you have to keep reminding yourself that you're there because people can't be you're there as a representative really to to try and get get answers out of him and and not to sort of take that for granted at the same time trying trying to be quite relaxed so you don't come across as good oh my god I can't believe I'm standing here talking to you this is amazing (laughs) that would wear thin (laughs) I did love it when Liverpool were they'd won the Premier League and they're about to lift the trophy and you were speaking to Jurgen Klopp the manager and you literally had to say to him do you want to go and essentially lift the trophy <laughs> well they played you they played your level walk alone which is the sort of liverpool anthem and they had this real moment and the rest of the squad that all of them all the players all the backroom staff everybody they all had arms around each other sort of facing each other singing and sort of celebrating together and i was like i i can't be the person <laughs> who drags him away from that and also but also there is a there is a technical point there which is when at the end of the season they do all the montages they do a big shot of the whole Liverpool squad and there's no Jurgen Klopp. It looks a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, do you want to go to the... And meanwhile, my producer's going to be, oh, for God's sake, we've got to get to a break. How can we... You've just... Right, oh my God. And I've just merrily, off the off my own back, gone, yeah, crack on, Jurgen, you go and enjoy yourself. Don't you worry about us. <laughs> no thought to my employers at all. <laughs> so I always ask people these 3am questions. I said, I'm really happy I yeah. sent them to you. Yes. I normally forget. So, Kelly, what is your favourite food? Um, I love Thai food. Any kind of just Thai, I just love it. Um, that's my, my favourite. Anything kind of, I, I don't have a sweet tooth at all. Anything that's kind of spicy. I literally will put like lemon, chilli and salt on pretty much everything that I eat. Just to, I just love it. It's my, my favourite thing. Not, you know, not weird, not like a meringue or something like that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may give that a try now you said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, chilli meringue. Well, maybe. What is your favourite book? Um, now, when you sent these through, I, I do read quite widely and I do read um, quite serious books and literary books and that kind of thing. But I thought I'm really... I'm waiting for a but. If I, if I said that, yeah, if I said that was my favourite then I would be lying because the book I go back to more than any other is a book by Marion Keyes called Rachel's Holiday. And that is my go-to sort of um, go-to book. It's about, it's in theory, it's, I mean, what you would kind of dismissively describe as chiclet, which she hates as a phrase anyway. Um, But it's about a woman and it doesn't sound like it's a particularly light topic because it's about a woman who's in a, um, in a, 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 recovery center recovering from addiction but it's very very funny and very warm and lovely and I just I love her writing I think she writes about people in a really fantastic way so I'm going to say that one what's your favorite song I do love higher and higher by Jackie Wilson you know that one your love keeps lifting me high because if I put that on no matter what mood I'm in just the bit at the beginning goes and I go oh I'm in a really good mood again so I think that's the one that whatever whatever the whatever frame of mind I'm in that one will make me happy very good. That actually used to be my ringtone. The, Did it? The bit, you know, you know, when the saxophone Did it? Did it? kicks in or the trumpets yes! kick in. Oh, I that, love that. But, song. Um, it once went off in a Ida casting, and it yeah. went off halfway through. Which oh my god, everyone was in. Yeah. But then, and that's changed ever since because everyone was more interested. Oh, what a good song that is! I haven't oh, heard yeah, that a great in a while. One, yeah. Completely took away from my audition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favourite film? Um, similarly to the um to the book one I don't want to go for anything I love love When Harry Met Sally I love that film it's again it's one of those oh, ones that I so, go to it's so funny as that, well yeah and that one and the other one that so I always funny. watch whenever it's on at whatever stage it's at is Bridesmaids I just love that film it's so good but yeah When Harry Met Sally I love that one it makes me feel good it's a kind of and I think over the last year that's I've kind of gravitated to all those things that just make me I don't want anything difficult I don't want anything traumatic I don't want anything bad to happen and if it does I want to know it's going to be resolved like I got really into Death in Paradise with my kids 
because bad things happen, but you know that they're gonna get punished for it and everything will work out in the end. And it's beautiful. It's just so gorgeous, yeah. Very good. And what is your favorite quote? Um, the one about um, not taking advice from, no, not taking criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice, which I think is a, I love that I like quote. like that. Great quote, yeah. yeah. I like that one. Yeah, just, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good life lesson. You can get, it makes, makes it easy to dismiss idiots. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Kelly, thank you so, so much for joining us this week. Thank you so much for asking me. I've had a really lovely time. Thank you. Fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Is there anything that you want to get in? I did. My, my, my daughters did one. If they, they wanted to ask you two a question. Okay. Because they've been spending so much time homeschooling and they've missed all their classmates and they've really missed being in that environment, um, how it was for you guys when you had to learn on set and did you miss your school? Uh, I think short answer did I miss my school no um (laughs) no you say no no the thing is you say that I thought I would but but I missed I missed going to school not necessarily school itself but I missed the whole Mm. environment of being at school and like you say not being with your mates and even the silly little things like the five ten minutes in between the different lessons of mucking around or something like that because when we were I guess exactly the same as, as homeschooling. When we were filming, we had lessons going on at the studios. If you had to do an hour of English, then an hour of maths, it would be like that. Put one book away and bring the other one out. Whereas at school, obviously, you can mess around for 10 minutes. I look back at it now and I regret some of the subjects that I didn't try my hardest at. And I think I, I probably found as well that I did better at the subjects that I enjoyed when I was at the studios than... I didn't than the subjects I didn't enjoy, shall we say, because there's no one really keeping like we had we had we had tutors at the studios, but they weren't exactly gonna say that's 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 rubbish, that do it again. It was it was like yeah. one of those things they'd like try and bring it out of you so I can kind of understand what yeah, I, I bet that a lot of a lot of guys who've been homeschooling these this past year or so have probably found the same thing. So if they are still going through anything like that is I'd say try and show a bit of interest. I wish I tried harder with a lot of the other subjects. That'll be it. Oh, thank you so much for answering that. They're going to be delighted. I'll be like, oh, they, they answered your question, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Kelly, again, thank you so much for, for coming on. Really enjoyed that. And me too. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that today with Kelly. We just got lost in time, didn't we? Just uh, chatting about anything and everything. It kind of felt like we already knew her because I'm sure many of you know Oliver and I are big sports fans and watching Kelly and listening to Kelly over the years, um, it was great. You know when you you've know, like you know of someone for ages and then you meet them and they're even nicer than you expect them to be. It was, it was really good. Yeah, and I, I want to say as well, a big shout out as well to Kelly's two lovely girls who had that lovely question for us. And a really good one. So anyway, so it's, it's really, really nice um, chatting chatting with Kelly today. So thank you so much, Kelly, for giving us uh, a bit of your time today and especially in between your, uh, well, when the, when the shopping arrived as well. That was, that was quite, uh, that, was, that was a first for a normal, not normal, which I suppose just shows the normal side of life right now definitely there's so many things to take away from listening to that so i'm sure there is there is somebody listening to this who is hoping to get a career in journalism in broadcasting in general so please take heed of things that kelly was talking about like if you have an interview with somebody and we've had it ourselves happen on this couple of times you go in with you try and do as much research yes is the word but also just get to know as much as you can about that person and hopefully you'll have as much time as possible to ask these questions and just be aware that there are probably going to be some questions which you're not going to have time to answer to ask but it's great to get a whole whole and round and basically just go in there knowing everything i think everyone has seen the story about when oliver and i were doing an interview and the journalist hadn't done any prep whatsoever and started asking oliver myself were we actually twins i stand by my answer i stand by it to which we said, no, we met at the audition. And unfortunately, she went with that being the truth. So it's always great. And also the people that are being interviewed really do appreciate it when you do your homework as well. Exactly, exactly. So yes, that was very, very good. Now, James, seeing as uh, seeing as you had a bit of a rant earlier, I've got a did you know. Okay, I've got a couple as well. So you do yours and then I'll do mine and we'll, we'll have a did you know off. Right, so. Get your drum. What's the drum got to do with the did you know? 
Okay, they're fine. Still, yeah, okay. Done. They're still my drum. That's, that's, that's my bit. Right, go on. The drum may appear at a later date. Who knows? Sometimes it doesn't need to be out every every week. The drum. It's a delicate or get to your fact. Anyway, okay. So my facts. Speaking of drums, the first hot air balloon flight was in the 19th of September, 1783, which at the time, actually, right, so it was noted as the first aerostatic flight. So the first ever one ever conducted was carried out by the Montgolfier brothers in Versailles, France, in 1783. Okay, interesting. Very good. It went It went up, if that's what you're asking. And then Thank out. you for that. Did you know, Oliver, that was... Um... There you go. Okay, boom. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back round because obviously Kelly has done a lot of work about football. Mm-hmm. So my did you know this week is about football or soccer, depending where you are in the world. So, did you know in the 1950 World Cup, India withdrew their team because they were not allowed to play barefooted? Hey. Yep. There's that one. You know I'm a big space fan. I'm sure many people know this right now. So did you know? Let me guess, let me guess. The International Space Station goes over a football ground every 25 minutes. Probably, I guess, but I'm not sure that's fact. No, what I'm going for is that there are five asteroids named after people in football. Go on, what are they? So you have the asteroid 14282, Cruyff, after Uh, Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff. Then there is the 10635 Pepe Beacon, after the Austrian-Czech legend. And then there is 82656 Piskas, after Ferenc Piskas. Yep. 79647 Balak, after Germany's midfielder Michael, Michael Balak. Michael Balak. Balak. Yep. And finally, there is an asteroid which circles in orbit between Mars and Jupiter, Called the three three one seven nine Arsene Wenger, after Arsenal's manager or former manager Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger. I've just finished. I've just finished listening to his audio book. Actually, does he mention he's got an asteroid named after him? Arsene. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't mention he's so, that. So so big time, isn't he? I mean, you start with that, surely. Yes, I. You know, yes, oh. I. I managed in France, in Japan, in England. But I've got an asteroid named after me, which is going. Well, in the between. reason the reason that was is because the guy who discovered it was actually a huge Arsenal fan, mm. so hence he named it after Arsenal Wenger. Um, one for you, Oliver. You probably know this already, being a bit of a nerd. But Aston Villa, the second yep. best team in Birmingham, no, second most no. successful no, no, team no, no, this no, millennium no, no, in no, Birmingham. No. Okay, for people listening right now, James is telling a complete lie. How many cups have Villa won this millennium? Okay, which team's probably not going to be in existence by the end of the season. Anyway, Aston Villa. (laughs) So they were founded in 1874, as you know, Oliver. Under a a lamppost. But did you know... By William McGregor. They were founded... By the dog. They were founded by cricketers. I did, by the Aston Unity cricket team. No, not Aston Unity, just the Aston... No, you're completely wrong there. They're called the Villa Cross... Wisleyan Chapel cricket team and they got together to discuss how to keep fit during the winter months and they saw a football game being played in a meadow close by and decided that was the perfect solution it was because and that is actually why because in a cricket team there are 11 players and that is why traditionally there are 11 players in a football team to fill all the roles which brings round to my final fact Oliver hang on hang on hang on one more one more one more one more Uh, they were founded by a chap called William McGregor. There's a statue of him outside of Villa Park. And he was one of the founding members of the Football League. He also founded Rangers Football Club up in Scotland. Anything else? Well, you go and say that they were 11 people who used to play cricket. So then that's why it ended up being 11 people played football. But England, so England is known as the home of football. This is given because they, England wrote the modern day rules for it. Yes. However, it is widely believed that it was actually invented in 476 BC in China and it was called Kaju. So technically, if the World Cup was in China, then that would be its going home. No, 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 no. But until then, 
England will claim it as the home of football and we will keep that as Wembley is the home of football and that is that because let's face it England haven't got much going for their football team right now so that's hold on to that fact whoa 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 whoa, whoa. I think I think you're kind of just overdoing this a bit here because I think every country would probably have state that they have played some version of football like like back in the day they would play football games in England between towns wouldn't they not 476 BC were you there then were you there then so anyway did you know Neil Armstrong wanted to take a football on the moon oh come on oh come on so it was revealed when Neil Armstrong visited Buenos Aires an Argentinian football team they made him Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins honorary members of their team so then when he went to the moon he actually left a tiny pendant of the team on the moon come on come on you know the saying it's like a needle in a haystack well when yeah, people go, eventually go one, back yeah. to the moon well when people go back to the moon maybe they can find this pin and then you will be proved wrong come on well thank you for ruining this fact i believe him anyway so i'm going to go with that mm, who knows all i know is guys thank you so much for joining us this week i've been oliver phelps he has and looking up at the moon this week looking for that pin i have been james phelps kelly case thank you so much for joining us this week and guys we will see you soon Normal Not Normal is a stable production.